Join Hoda Kotb for a brand new season of her podcast, Making Space. For season five, I am making space to talk to people who are providing a sense of hope and inspiration when life changes course. Uplifting conversations with inspiring individuals like NFL legend Drew Brees, singer-songwriter Ziggy Marley, and today's show co-anchor Savannah Guthrie as you have never heard her before. I found faith more viscerally, not because the bad thing didn't happen, but because it did. I promise you, like me, will leave these conversations with some wisdom for your own journey, empowered and inspired to make space in your own life. New episodes of Making Space with Hoda Kotb are released every Wednesday. Listen now wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, this is Zivi Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. And speaking of books, I have two of my own books coming out this spring and summer. Princess Charming is a picture book, which debuts on April 19th, and Bookends, a memoir of love, loss, and literature comes out on July 1st, and it is truly a labor of love. I hope you'll pre-order, order, and join me on tour as I go across the country. You can find out more at zibbyowens.com or bookendsmemoir.com. And you can follow me on Instagram at zibbyowens because I always post about everything. Enjoy the show. Melissa Harris is the author of One Pound, 12 Ounces, a preemie mom's story of loss, hope, and triumph. Melissa is a single mother of two children living in Oakland, California, where she was raised. She was on the fast track to being a partner in a mid-sized ad agency when she gave birth to her second son, Sam, and the trajectory of her life changed. Melissa is now a work-from-home account manager for two virtual creative agencies in the Bay Area. In her free time, she drives kids from activities to appointments to playdates, volunteers at the neonatal intensive care unit at Alta Base Hospital, where Sam was born, and helps her congresswoman fight for better health care for all Americans. She lives in Oakland, California. Welcome, Melissa. Thanks so much for coming on Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books to discuss One Pound, 12 Ounces, a preemie mother's story of loss, hope, and triumph. Thank you. I'm really excited to be here. By the way, I was surprised in the book when the doctor found out that it was that your baby was one pound, 12 ounces. And he was like, wow, that's great. I thought that it would be sad that that was so small, but instead he's like, what a triumph, what a victory that you got to one pound, 12 ounces, which is amazing. It was. And I mean, as a person who was not in the best mental shape at that point, <laughs> I kept going, what are you talking about? one pound and, you know, I'm going, Oh God, one pound, 12 ounces. And he's like, wow, that's fantastic. And I'm like, uh, okay, dude, <laughs> thought he was a little crazy, but I wasn't going to say it since he was, you know, sewing me up and such. Wow. Well, you have had quite a journey to say the least. I am so sorry for all that you've been through and yet so just in admiration of your determination and everything that a mother will do to like bring children into the world. It's really, you know, it's just inspiring. It's like your strength to get through all of this stuff is. Thank you. It tested me a lot throughout. I mean, it's, it was just even getting to the second child. Like I had never heard of such a thing as secondary infertility. Mm -hmm. You know, with my first, I was like, I want a baby. I was pregnant. I'm going to give birth. I gave birth. I mean, it was other than the fact that I, you know, she was stuck on one side, we figured out and I had to have a C-section. I mean, my pregnancy the first time was like textbook, nothing to, nothing to write home about. And then the second one was like, holy cow, you know, nine surgeries, two 
or three miscarriages, depending on how you classify a twin miscarriage. And then, you know, almost losing this one and having to sit in a hospital, well, lie at a 30 degree angle in a hospital bed for six days to try to get him to the point where he would survive. I mean, it was, it was a lot. Oh my gosh. There was one, there was one line when you were just like, you had your whole mama bear thing up. It says, when Peter came back, I told him my goals. I know we will get to the 24 week mark, but I've decided I'm not going to have this baby until I'm 30 weeks pregnant. Um, Melissa, you know, you don't know that. No, you don't know that, Peter responded. Like, hell, I don't. I will not have this baby yet, I angry cried at Peter. He decided the safest thing was to let me believe that I had total control over things. Wise man. (laughs) Wise man. (laughs) Very wise man. Yeah, obviously I was wrong. I did not. I did not make it to that 30 weeks, but I did. I had my goal. I had to get to 24. I made it two days past that. So I achieved at least one of the goals. I mean, there's no, my body was not going to handle it. I couldn't, you can't lie in what's called Trandellenburg for that long. I mean, I had, they'd upgraded me to mattresses they put for people in long-term comas to try and make me comfortable, but I wasn't allowed to move without help. I, you know, had to eat lying in this position when I was allowed to eat. I mean, one of my favorite things is the vision of me lying there licking oatmeal. I was going to say that licking yeah. food. That was crazy. Oh my gosh. It worked better than the spoon. I mean, it was yeah. my fault for ordering things like oatmeal and soup, but hospital food, those are usually the safest. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I mean, it was, it was quite the experience. Not only were you going through all this, but of course you had your daughter, right? You were already having to parent and deal with her setbacks and during like your first miscarriage, which, and I'm so sorry for all of those losses, when you were, you know, part of your sadness when you left the screening was thinking you were about to tell her about her new baby sibling and then having yeah. to actually leave and be like, well, I not only that, now I'm disappointing, like, it's like the, the narrative you had written to make her happy, that was also robbed from you. She is a remarkable kid. She's 16 now. and. Wow the things that she has experienced in her short life and the maturity that she's brought to it. She's a pretty remarkable kid. I think the experiences have made her extremely empathetic and caring. And unfortunately she had to age up faster than she probably should have, but we've always joked she was an old soul from birth. So I think she was well attuned to doing it. Interesting. And then since this, you've also gone through a divorce. So when did that happen? So Sam, who is my second child, who is now 11 and doing wonderful. I always like to remind people of that. Okay, great. Um, Sam was three. So it's been a while. And and it was, we were having troubles all throughout. But uh, when Sam was three, it was when we finally decided that divorce was the best thing for the kids and us. Sorry, I don't mean to pry. I'm going to, I'll go a different direction. You'll, you'll see, by the way, that in, I, I don't, I'm not one to filter. I'll answer any question there. I, you know, once you have a preemie and you're in a hospital nursing for 95 days and all these things, you like your, your sense of what is prying and what isn't goes way out the window. When did you decide this was going to be a book? Did you know all along? Like, did you, were you keeping notes the whole time? How did this happen? So it started with a blog when, after I had Sam and I was lying in the hospital, it was the first time I was kind of alone. My brother at the time was living in Africa and I needed to find a way to, to tell him what was happening because of the time difference. 
And I started it as a letter to him, which went on for about six pages. And I sent it and he said, you know, there's a lot of people in the family around the world. We have family sort of spread out. He's like, you should post this on like a blog or something so everyone can get updated. And I did. I started a blog that night. And then every day in the NICU, you are just bombarded with information and you don't have time to process it. And so I started writing as my therapy. I would come home from being in the NICU all day with the neonatal intensive care unit, for those that don't know. And I would write what had happened that day. And I would just sort of pour out the trauma and the experiences and put it down on you know the page. And it would kind of release a lot of the pain because it wasn't just sitting in me. And so every day I wrote that while Sam was in the hospital. And then I, I continued writing for a while. And a friend of mine who is a bookseller here in Oakland, a lovely little bookstore, great, good place for books for anyone interested, pulled me aside and said, Melissa, your story is important. People need to hear this. And a lot of it was, you know, miscarriage and infertility and prematurity is more common than people know, but it suffered kind of in silence. People don't talk about it. And she was like, you, you're a very good writer. You're very personable. I want you to write a book. And she encouraged me and pushed me. And I'm very grateful to her because I, I'm really proud of this, but I'm also proud of kind of the hope that I have that this will help others come out of the shadows and talk about their experiences. So it's less stigmatized going forward for others. Wow. I had you know, I feel many people know someone who's had kids in the NICU or, you know, I had twins myself and was sure they would end up in the NICU and just, by, they just ended up not. But that I've been with girlfriends as they've been with their kids. And it's, you know, it's an environment that you don't soon forget. I mean, it is intense and every moment feels so fraught and every breath seems so, such a gift. And the yeah. little, and the miracle workers who were the nurses there and everybody taking care of these tiny little, I mean, it, it makes you think about life in a new way. What is life? And like, when does, you know, it's like a whole, it, it, it's hard to just like breeze in and out. Let me just put it like, it's very, exactly. Right? <laughs> I mean, we joke about the short termers, but even the short termers that are there under 10 days are affected deeply by this experience. Mm -hmm. It's something like one in eight babies in the United States are born premature. And that's a staggering number. And that doesn't even talk about like the number of women that go through infertility or the number of women that suffer miscarriage. Mm -hmm. And so, I mean, it's, this is so common and so not talked about, but with the NICU, I, I made one really, really good friend in the NICU. And she and I always joke that we're foxhole buddies. And it's mm -hmm. like, mm -hmm. you know, we went through a war together and we came out and I mean, we are the bestest of friends because we have seen each other at our worst and at our best and experienced this horrible place, wonderful, horrible place. Yes. Hey, grownups. The Cat in the Hat cast is a new podcast from Wondery, perfect for the whole family. Join the Cat in the Hat and your favorite Dr. Seuss characters as they get whisked away on a new adventure every week. Fish dreams of creating his very own polite and quiet podcast. That is, until he gets a surprise visit to his fishful podcast studio from the cat in the hat himself, and it becomes very clear that the cat has other plans for the podcast, and those plans are the opposite of quiet. 
The cat may be disruptive, but it turns out he's also a great help to get fish out of all kinds of predicaments. Bursting with music, silliness, and rhymes, the Cat in the Hat cast encourages us all to find fun that is funny in every episode. So sing along to new favorite songs, try your luck at Titanic Tongue Twisters, have some fun with wondrous wordplay, and most importantly, bring your family along for all of the adventures in the Cat in the Hat cast. Follow the Cat in the Hat cast on the Wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts. You can listen to the Cat in the Hat cast ad-free right now by joining Wondery Plus in the Wondery app or Wondery Kids Plus in Apple Podcasts. And like war, I, you've gone through your own PTSD as a result yes, of all this. I have. Tell me, tell me more about that. You know, I didn't really realize it was actually PTSD until later. I, you know, there's things when you go to the NICU, you have to wash your hands. As all of us in COVID know, hand washing is very important. In the NICU, it's a, it's a ritual. If you leave the room that your baby's in, you have to wash again. And so... And it's not just, it's the COVID wash, but a little more, you have to dig under your fingernails and around the nail bed. I mean, it's a big ritual and that hospital soap smell. So I was, my mother was having surgery and I was in the hospital to go visit her in the ICU. She was having triple bypass and I had to wash my hands and the smell of the soap. And I started kind of having tremors and trouble breathing. And then I went into her room and she had all the monitors like my son had and the beeping. And I had to go to a corner and kind of settle down. And I talked to a therapist about it and she's like, Melissa, how could you not have PTSD? Think about everything you've been through leading up to Sam, the six days before you had him, the 95 days in the hospital how could you not? Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I know what my triggers are now and I'm just very careful and I'm just kind to myself about it. Wow. And how, how does it, what is it like in your family having this story sort of sitting on top of you? Like, does it, how much, like, what is it like when you're just, are you just regular, is it just regular mom life, blah, blah, blah. Or how often does it come up or how often does Sam like what is his understanding and and how how does all that work? Up until I wrote the book, mm-hmm. his understanding was minimal. When I got my arcs, mm-hmm. I was up with my parent, my dad, and my dad left a copy of the book on the coffee table and went to the bathroom and came back and the book was missing. And an hour and a half later, we finally found Sam hiding in a closet reading it. Wow. So he has now read the book probably nine times. He knows it backwards and forwards. And he, I think it's been good for him to understand, you know, what went into having him and how much we wanted him and how lucky he is to be alive. And he feels very proud. He likes to talk about how he's the star. The book's about me. I'm a star. Mm-hmm. I think for Irene, it's been a little hard. You know, I wrote a book about her brother and not about her. I'm like, yeah, mm-hmm. but you come off really good in the book, kid. <laughs> I think for all of us, the book, you know, my mother passed in 2018 and I'd been working on the book and she read quite a few iterations of it. And I think for all of us, it was a good release. Like Mm -hmm. it was a chance for all of us to kind of contribute. Like, you know, she was an editor at first and she would put in the, Oh, you should talk about this. You totally didn't talk about this. And so I think for all of us, a little bit of us are represented in the book. And now we're just sort of proud that we went through it. We survived it and we're stronger. Wow. That's beautiful. How is your relationship to writing now? Do you, are you, do you still journal all the time or are you kind of over it or 
what's going on. (laughs) I do. I still journal because what I learned through all of this is journaling is a great form of therapy. Mm -hmm. Some things I write that are just for me and others I write and I post. It's just such a great way to process everything, anything you're thinking, anything you're feeling, if you're unsure what to do with it, write it. And you don't have to send it to anyone. It doesn't have to be published, but just putting it on paper is very liberating. And I do, I guess, post for people. And, you know, I really, I feel very galvanized with this book to, especially with all the attacks that are going on on women's reproductive rights right now, to really champion sort of this message of, you know, truth-telling and why getting miscarriage and infertility and prematurity and women's, it's just, it's all so important. And so I feel very, I don't know, mission oriented to use a horrible marketing term, but I just, I kind I just feel galvanized. I feel emboldened to, to use this voice that I have to try and help. I love that. And Sam has no health lingering stuff or what? So for, he had, let's see, a little bit of gastrointestinal issues because his body didn't develop as well, but that's Mm self-resolved. He had what's known as ROP. So great trivia question. Stevie Wonder is blind because he was premature and had ROP, retinopathy of prematurity and lost his eyesight. Sam was lucky enough to be born in this era and had laser surgery on his eyes, which saved his eyesight, but he's, you know, nearsighted. Who isn't? (laughs) And Sam is autistic And, you know, when your brain, when he was born at 24 weeks, you know, everyone's seen a picture of what a brain looks like. His was one organ and it was smooth. It hadn't divided into chambers and all the like curvy things that we're all used to hadn't developed yet. So all of that was developed in an unnatural environment, which is what I attribute to, you know, him being autistic, but he's, you know, he's great. He's funny. He's healthy. He has no lung issues. He had no brain bleeds. He has no, his heart, he had heart surgery uh, in the NICU and has been fine ever since. Like he, if you lined him up and said, okay, pick out the preemie, mm-hmm. people would be like, not that kid. I mean, he's, he's a remarkable 11 year old. Amazing. That's such a, such a blessing. And yeah. by the way, the time also when he accidentally, when your husband, accident, your ex-husband accidentally. Dropped him. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's funny in that moment, it could have been me. I mean, he fell asleep holding the baby and it was horrifying. I mean, he ended up with three skull fractures. If you're going to get skull fractures as a baby, do it before your skull plates have fused. They were the right kind of fractures. They weren't depressed. They were displaced, but yeah, it was terrifying. Absolutely terrifying. Man, Melissa, You've just been through a lot of, you've been through so much. This is so harrowing just to have life with children, if you will, right? Yeah. It's, uh, you know. Life with children is exhausting and rewarding and exhausting all at the same time. Wow. Well, I am sorry for everything you've gone through. But again, as I said at first, like, I find your story so inspiring and hopeful and such a good lesson for everybody who is struggling with any part of this process. And like you said, there are so many parts that can be roadblocks from fertility to miscarriage to prematurity to so many other things. So anyway, I just really appreciate your sharing your story and, and, and helping people get through 
the time that they're having with your words. Well, I appreciate that. That was really, that was my hope and goal in writing it that I, I just, I mean, part of it is when I had Sam, I looked for books mm-hmm. to, cause I knew, no, I knew nothing. Mm-hmm. And every book I found was either written by a medical professional who had had a preemie. And so was writing it kind of like, I'm a doctor, so I can explain this, mm-hmm. or this is God's will and it's in God's hands and trust in God. And mm-hmm. I was like, I just want someone to tell me straight, like, this is going to suck. Then it's going to be good. Then it's going to yeah. suck and it's going to be okay. And there was nothing out there like that. So that was a driver for me as well. Um, and I remember when my kids weren't sleeping, when my twins weren't sleeping, not that they sleep great now. Well, one of them does, I guess. Well, anyway, they're almost 15. But uh, when they were little and I went to jury duty once, I, I remember going to Barnes & Noble on my way and picking up like 12 books on like how to get your kid to sleep better. I guess <laughs> like nobody was oh, sleeping. Oh, God, yeah. And now that I'm like at this point and I still have bad sleepers and everything, I'm like, I should have just like, I should just read a book that's like only bribery will work. Like just give up now. (laughs) Like like, it's just going to be bad. Just like get, just like put the book down and like listen to music because it's just going to be bad for a while and then you're going to get through it. (laughs) It's true. It's very true. I've given up my, my 16 year old is a terrible sleeper and I'm just like, that's going to be on you. I'm still going to wake you up on time. Yep. Yeah, uh, you know, either sleep or don't. Yeah. I can't control it anymore. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. Wow. Okay. Well, having written the book, do you have any advice for aspiring authors? My main advice is write. Just write. Write for you first, then go from there. I sent out a hundred query letters. Wow. I got ninety-nine rejections. Okay. It doesn't matter how many rejections you get if you get one yes. And even if you don't, there are other avenues for you. Um, mm-hmm. There's hybrid publishing, there's independent, and there's self-published. There's no shame in any of that. So write what you want to write and get it published whatever way you can, because someone out there needs your book, needs your words, needs to hear from you. I love that. Love it. Well, 1%. I mean, there you go. Still, exactly. Uh... <laughs> Amazing. Thank you so much. Thanks for coming on. And I really appreciate it. All the best. Really, truly. Thank you very much. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hi, I'm Zibby Owens, and you're listening to the award-winning podcast, Moms Don't Have Time to Read Books. If you like this podcast, you will love my new anthology called Moms Don't Have Time to Have Kids. Check it out, and you'll hear from 49 authors about all sorts of things moms don't have time to do. All the authors have been on this podcast. Also, check out my TikTok, at with Zibby and Tracy, my other podcast, Sex Talk with Zibby and Tracy. Check out Moms Don't Have Time to Write on Medium. And, of course, my new publishing company called Zibby Books. And now back to our daily author interview site and a quick hello from some of my kids. Hi. Hi. Hello. Enjoy the show. Hi.